Hey guys, it's Christian Isley, and you're listening to Sacramento's number one soccer-specific podcast. Hey Sacramento soccer fans, this is Luis, and welcome to episode 18 of the self-proclaimed number one soccer-specific podcast in Sacramento, the Sacktown FC podcast, part of the Beautiful Game Network, and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, as usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Danny. How's everything been the last few days, guys? Still still trying to keep it together in this in these crazy times, man. Uh, people are just uh, going a little nuts, but we're trying to hang in there and trying to stay hopeful that everything will be back to normal soon. Yeah, same here. Uh, we just found out that our school district that I teach in is closed till May 1st. I found that out this afternoon, and that my son's school is closed till May 1st, so... Uh, we're going to be inside for a while, uh, or at least at the house. So hopefully uh, everybody can stay sane and we don't uh, we don't get tired of each other too quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully it's over by May. I mean, hopefully it's not extended till June, July, you know, like some of the soccer leagues are. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how, how everything goes. So uh, on this episode, our guest comes in courtesy of the Makuni Dreamline. Check them out online. We're using the app today for 15% off your takeout order. We welcome former Republic striker Christian Isley to the podcast. Christian, thanks for joining us. And how are things in Florida these days? Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Um, things in Florida are good. Um, it's a nice, sunny place to be right now. Uh, in, a, in the midst of this whole crisis and everything that's going on in America it's, um, and across the world, it, it, it's a good place to be. So Christian, we, we have a few questions for you tonight. Um, and then also we have a question from Sharon Anderson, who you might know from her time with the Republic. She uh, sent in some questions to ask you as well. So if you don't mind, we'd like to get into some of these questions and uh, let's get started. Yeah, let's go. So you grew up in a house uh, and your dad was a soccer coach. Is that how you end up uh, playing this sport and becoming passionate for you for it like you are today? Yeah, for sure. My dad was a huge influence. Um, He's been a coach in the Central Florida area for 25, 30 plus years now. Um, so he's done a lot from from high school soccer. He's done a lot on the girls' side um, with with the club systems here. He he coached a uh, one of the first women's professional teams here in Orlando um, back in the day, um, and he's done a lot for the sport. So uh, growing up, I was constantly around it and constantly being babysat by some of his players and, and definitely had a soccer ball on my feet all the time. So that's kind of how I learned to appreciate the game and, and learned to, to love it. And then obviously as I grew up, I had to figure out if it's something that I wanted to do or if it's something that I really like to watch and be around. And of course, so I was drawn to it and that's kind of how I got started. So you decided to try Europe at the age of 19. Oh, how did that come about? Yeah, I um, I went to college to play. I went to University of Central Florida, which is right near my home in Orlando. Um, I played there my freshman year. And for a freshman, it was a good season. Um, you know, I, I got some playing time, which is rare as a freshman in college and at a big D1 program. and we were ranked pretty high in, in the nation at that time. And um, I had a good experience, but 
for some reason, I didn't really value what the college system had. Um, this whole pl- play for three months, four months, and then uh, work on your game or your strength and conditioning for the for the other months. So, for some reason, I just I just had a kind of decision to make if I wanted to stay there, if I wanted to try to go to Europe and you know play ten months a year instead of four and. Uh, that's what I ended up deciding to do. I just really was drawn to that and from a young age and had the opportunity, so I took it. That's awesome, man. Um, so you played for three teams in five years. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. Um, so when I first went to Europe, I went to England, went to an academy to play. And then um, after that, I found my way to Scandinavia one way or another. That's a whole different story. Um and then, so I played in Finland for, for a team that was kind of like my first, my first team that got me started and I played there for a couple of years. And then, uh, they actually sold me to a team in Sweden who, um, was interested in me and, and that was a whole different level. Um, the soccer there was, was different and, um, I played there for a little bit and then a new coach came in and stuff happens and they they actually sold me back to my former team who is now in a promotion battle for um to get up to the top division and um so i played i played there again which was an interesting thing we got promoted um played in the highest league there and then i ended up playing for another team uh after that and it was interesting to go back and forth but i think the biggest takeaway was in europe the the soccer is completely different and um, to have the ability to play for a small town, but still mean a whole lot to the city and um, to be able to do that whole promotion relegation thing, which is kind of foreign to American soccer. Um, that was, that was pretty remarkable for me and, and pretty fun to say the least. Do you find yourself trying harder for those teams that you're being relegated for? Like if your team is about to be relegated, do you find like, not you personally, but the team itself trying to, working harder to not be relegated. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, in uh, at least in the countries I played in in Europe, a lot of these teams are in in small towns or relative to American cities. They're they're small towns, and that's pretty much all they have. I mean, Scandinavia, all you have is soccer and hockey, and every town is either a soccer t- a soccer town or a hockey town. So, I mean, for the teams I played for. All, all they talked about was soccer. You know, the retired people went to the coffee shop and read the newspaper and talked about this weekend's game. I mean, it, it was a completely different, completely different thing than, than what I was ever used to in America. And um, yeah, so we fought harder because we knew people were, were always thinking about us, talking about us. Like you, you walk around the city and have have lunch somewhere, and, and they're all asking if you're prepared for this weekend's game, like it, it means a lot more. Uh, inevitably you end up fighting a lot more for that promotion or relegation. That's crazy. Um, if you don't mind us asking what, uh, what Academy uh, were you working with in England? And did you get, did you have an issue because of uh, like a work visa? Yeah, exactly. So I went to an Academy that was specifically for foreigners to come over there. It was called a uh, Riesa. And it, it just started by by a guy named um, Mark. I forget his last name, but um, and he just started this academy because he knew there was a lot of talented foreigners that didn't really have the chance to go play in Europe. So I played for that academy, and um, we had a relationship with Bradford City. 
So that was the team that we were really playing, playing academy games with and um, reserve games with. And yeah, and then eventually I had an issue with a work permit in England. That was, that was what took me away from there pretty quickly. Sounds like that's the case for a lot of Americans, even foreign players. They have a hard time with those work visas and they end up in places like uh, Germany or Scandinavia. So that's, that's why I asked that question. Um, yeah, definitely. So after leaving Europe, you uh, jumped on with the Republic. What made you join them? And can you describe your experience in Sacramento? Yeah. Um, I think at some point I realized that I wanted to be closer to home. Um, you know, I had spent five, six years in Europe. Um, and I just kind of wanted to make it closer to home. I somehow ended up on the opposite side of the country. <laughs> Um, but the experience was great. I mean, my first time playing back in the States since college, it was a amazing team to play for, amazing experience um, playing for the Republic and in front of the fans in Sacramento. I mean, I don't think I'll ever have anything like that. Every team that I've played for have had very unique experiences. I mean, I played for a team in a city of 10,000 people, you know, and two, two or 3,000 of those people came to the game every weekend in Sacramento is a much larger city and, but we had a tremendous amount more, more fans. So I think it's all relative. Um, and the experience in Sacramento was, was fantastic from start to finish. So, um, Christian, what, what were some of your favorite things and memory as well in the club and also like, you know, favorite goals that you scored well at Sacramento? Yeah, well, I scored my, my first game and at home, first regular season game, I scored a goal against San Antonio. That was pretty special because there was just a, a special environment that, I mean, the first time you play in front of the fans of Sacramento, you're not really sure what to expect. And, I mean, it, it just blows you away. And so to score that first goal there, to get the win and have that first experience is something I'll never forget. I think that throughout my time there, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm going to take away from it. and um, but, but one of the biggest things I think was just – the community outreach that we had, the, the things that we, we did as a club in the community, that's the things that really stick to me. Um, of course, there's goals, there's games and stuff like that, but um, the relationships that I formed and the, the people I met along the way from the staff to the people in the front office to the fans and then to, to people in the community, I mean, that's what's going to mean the most to me and that's the things I'm going to remember. It's awesome that, you know, every time we ask that question, it's like the first thing everyone says is the community and that's really really good to hear christian how did uh f3 soccer training come to fruition i think that so f3 is my soccer training company that i I mean i just recently started it and i think after playing or kind of throughout my playing career i've always had a passion for sharing what i've learned and sharing the things that i've spent so many years perfecting um, sharing those those things with other people, other soccer players, that's been a huge thing for me. It's been something that's keeping me driven and kept me going. And so I think it was just kind of natural for me um, to start this business and to to see how many uh, people I can help and affect and people I can teach. Um, I actually started in Sacramento um, with with a few players, younger players that kind of just reached out to me and wanted wanted some advice wanted some um some teaching or whatever you, you want to call it and um that's kind of when I, I 
I first started realizing I really enjoyed it. And um, so I think it was just kind of a natural progression from playing to um, coaching or teaching, you know. So besides content for F3, what else are you doing with the downtime created from our current situation? Yeah, the current situation definitely um, didn't really help when you're starting a business that uh, takes a lot of, you know, one-on-one training or um, person-to-person contact. And so it's been a kind of difficult time, but uh, I've been trying my best to keep busy and um, produce content for social media platforms and to kind of show what type of training that I do. But um, it's also been a lot of research, a lot of um, figuring out how to market myself, figuring out what the market is in Orlando, um, how to how to maneuver around that market and use the resources that I have um, around here. So a lot of it has been building relationships and, and figuring out different things about the business and the other sides of the business other than just the content. Um, so it's kind of been a lot and uh, it's great because it's kept me busy throughout this time, you know? Well, it's great content. I mean, I have a five-year-old and I had your videos up on Instagram and he was like, oh, I can do that. I'm like, oh, really? Let's see it. So he got a cone. He's five um, today. And he started off on the first drill, the uh, one cone drill that you had posted on the on the uh, Instagram. So he was working on that today. It was actually kind of cool to see him do it and kind of progress throughout the day. So that's, you know, it's helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that's, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of ways that I can give back to a game that's given me so much. And one of those is definitely like producing content that younger players can look at and be like, Hey, I can try that or I can do that. So sometimes I, I get ahead of myself and I'm, you know, thinking, Oh, I'm going to do this drill. And then I realize that if if I'm an 11, 12 year old, I'm probably not going to be able to do that. So I have to be, you know, vary my drills so that, and so that everybody can, can try to replicate them and, and use them to, as a tool to get better. He got in a little bit of trouble because he walked upstairs, put his boots on and on the uh, floor upstairs on the wood floor, all you hear is plop, 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 plop. And my wife (laughs) was uh, doing interviews on, on her conference calls. So she was not happy with uh, him running around in the house with his boots on, but I told her that's going to, that's going to happen. Yeah. That's what I was like growing up to. So my parents like uh, probably didn't like that either. Hey, whatever. He's got his boots on. He's ready to go. Exactly. So Christian, so I've I've actually been a blogger for I think a little over or almost like eight years now, and I actually have another blog I do and another blog podcast I do as well. And uh, I remember that when you were at Sacramento, you actually started a blog, the Extra Time blog. Um, can you tell us how that came about? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've always been a creative person or like a person who likes to document stuff in my life. I don't know. Um, so I think there, it was just a lot of experiences I was, I was having in Sacramento and in my career that, um, I wanted to share and I also wanted to remember, you know, and sometimes some people are different, but for me, at least like writing things down and, and creating something to remember those, those things really helps me, um, in the future. So that's kind of what that was about. I mean, I wanted to remember different things that I was doing and share with people um, who want a different perspective and stuff and, and kind of look at us as more than just soccer players as, you know, people who have different hobbies and 
creativity and stuff like that. So that was kind of the reason for that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's kind of why why I actually started my my first blog. So my first blog was for um, my university. It was actually a student blog or two. So yeah, definitely I can agree that you know it really helps to have that and to you know be able to to look back at at your time in college or you know your time at you know whatever point in your life you were. For sure. So Christian, uh, do you see yourself uh, wanting to give pro soccer another try? Um, that's a tough question. I mean, my career was, I, I played, my first contract was when I was 19. So it's been eight years. And, um, of course I'm 27. So a lot of people will think that's young or whatever, whatever you want to think. Um, but it, I've played for eight years, you know, it's been a journey of gone through ups and downs and gone through tons of different experiences, cities, teams, all this sort of stuff. So um, I, w- I wouldn't say no. I would still leave the option open, but um, it's definitely one of those things that it has to be the right opportunity, you know, the right the right team, the right situation. And that's kind of what has led me throughout these months of the off season to move away from it is I'd never really found the right opportunity. You know, I could have kept playing if I wanted to. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, at some point, the older you get, the more that you assess the situation and the opportunity and see if it's one that really fits you, you know. Um, and that's kind of where I was at this offseason. So I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't leave that uh, closed, but I, I would definitely have to be the right opportunity for me to keep playing, if that makes any sense. Oh, it does. Perfect sense. Because, I mean, you've, you've done it. You've traveled. The wear and tear on you from travel – and all the knocks and everything else you picked up, you know, it, it, it adds up after a time. Exactly. It does. And, um, also, I mean, like, like everyone, um, we get older too. We, we go through things in life and, um, we have a different situation, whether that's with family or whatever. And, uh, you know, these decisions aren't just a 19 year old saying, yeah, I want to keep playing soccer. It's, you know, 27 year old who is married and like, has to think about more than just himself. So it's, it takes a lot more than just, Hey, let's keep playing soccer or not. You know? Well, it's crazy if you think about it because with pro football in America, when a 28, 29 year old retires, people are up in arms. Like, what is this guy doing? And then soccer, it's almost like the soccer base knows what's happening and that people understand why we leave the game so early. But at the same time, you think about, the other part of the the style, the the football and other sports, like they're like, what are you doing? Why are you retiring? And they don't they don't have that same grasp that your body, the wear and tear, right? The constant battle that you're going through, um, it adds up, man, and it it has it takes its toll. Yeah, for sure, it it definitely does more than more than most people think. I don't know how many knee surgeries you've had. I've had three on my left knee, and it's there's days where I just wake up like I I can't train, I can't do anything. Yep. So yeah, it's crazy. So, um, one of the most important questions on the podcast, at least in my opinion, is the following: um, outside of the U.S. soccer scene, what uh, what club or clubs do you support? <laughs> that's that's funny. Um, I've, I think my whole life, I've never fully supported a club. That's the biggest question that um, I think everybody especially when I was in Europe, it's all, it was always, Oh, which, which club do you support or which team do you like the most? And 
I think most people my age and around my age grew up enjoying and loving Manchester United because that was really the only games that we could watch. We couldn't watch any of the German leagues. We couldn't watch any of the Spanish leagues. Like, and if they played a Premier League game, it was usually just one game. You know, it wasn't like we have NBC Sports and, you know, we have four different games on at the same time. Right. Um, it was Manchester United. So. Well, it's funny because we had, we had the Cooligans on uh, in our, our last podcast and they were saying how when they were growing up, it was only Arsenal and Manchester United. And here you are saying it's Manchester United. So. Yep. Yep. So, um, my dad really, really liked Manchester United because it's probably what he watched the most. And so I liked them, but, and then when I was, I think when I was like 13 or 14, I took a trip with my team to go play in like a tournament in England and it was in Manchester and, and we went to the Manchester United stadium and stuff. So, um, I wouldn't say I support any team, um, but Manchester United is definitely one that has a special place in my heart. There you go. There's your answer, boys. No cruises will here. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said is a team right. in Europe, right? We were talking Europe. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Or, or now we're being biased. Okay. I keep wait. I keep waiting for that. My best friend to say Cruz Azul. It's it'll come. It will we had come. that. We had that on the last the last podcast. The Cooligans can be bought. They they told us that. <laughs> Send them a scarf. They'll support Cruz Azul. <laughs> Yeah, we're in the, we're, in the, we're working on that actually. Um, so, uh, Christian, so have you ever actually thought about maybe getting your coaching license in the future? Yeah, I have my I have my D license, U.S. Soccer D license. Um, I did that. Right, I started my coaching licenses maybe like five years ago. So that's when we they still had the F and then the E, so you couldn't like jump. So I did my F and I did my E and then I did the, you know, two weekend course for my D with the testing and all that stuff. So I got my D and then they restructured everything. And now um, it's a little bit different. <laughs> so I've always thought about going back but and, and getting more coaching licenses. But for now, yeah, I don't know yes. who's going to hear this, but I'm not a huge fan of the U.S. soccer system <laughs> with coaching. and. Um, I don't know if I want to go back right now until I believe in what they're doing and believe in, in everything. I mean, the C, the C course is, um, I, I'm pretty sure like two weeks and then a, a break and then another two weeks or maybe it's just a week. Um, and it's a lot of money and, and not something that I fully believe in yet. So if I do, then yeah, I'd, I'd go back and do it. It's funny. I, I have a lot of friends who are in the, uh, they have their D license and they've told me we're not going to go get our C in America. If we do, it's going to be somewhere else because, or get, go relicense somewhere else because of the way the process is with American coaching. They would rather get foreign or European coaching because of tactics and kind of the style of play and the rhythm. So yeah, you're not, you're not alone on that one. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if it's as much for the style of play for me. Part of it, it, it like I agree with that, um, but part of it is like it's just it's tough. I mean, and most of the time you have to be like for your C, you have to be coaching a team so that they can see you running sessions and, and evaluate you and stuff. And I and I get that. So for me, it feels like it's impossible for me to get it right now. Um, yeah. And and so that that's where I'm at. Yeah, you've got your you've got the F three going, and I think with the F three you have you have an unlimited base of opportunity there. 
And so I would say, man, plug away, do, do what you can take F3 as far as you can. And then if you feel, you know, licensing is in your, in your future, go for it. But you know, yeah. I would, I would focus on what you feel is your passion and that's training. So go for it. Yeah. And I've, my, my dad is, um, he's coached a, a high school girls team here for 25 years. And so for the f- past five years, I've, been his assistant and I've taken the reins on a lot of training sessions. So I've done, um, you know, most of the, of my coaching experience through that, which has been great. And I've kind of realized that, um, in that environment, it's great. But for me as a coach, like, um, a team coach, like coaching a team is very different than coaching an individual or a small group. Um, and I think there's, there needs to be coaches for both. And, um, depending on your personality, you're, you're more fit for one or the other. And, um, I love the tactics of a team and everything like that, but I think I'm, I'm very much more passionate and effective as a coach for making one individual better or a, a couple, a couple of people better. So, um, it's all in personalities. And I think the good part is that with soccer, we need coaches that can do all sorts of things. So that's what I believe. That's awesome. So Christian, we have a kind of a fun question for you. Um, if you owned a team with an unlimited transfer budget, what four players from any era would you build your team with? Four players from any era. That's that's tough because does it have to be like them playing a team on a team? Because I think most of the players I'll pick are only be strikers, so then we wouldn't have much of a defense. <laughs> hey man, it's your team. If you want to bring, if you have a super sub, go for it. You okay. can bring yourself in too. He's got a four. Three, <laughs> he's got a four. A four-two-four going on. Yeah, right. Um, so I'm. I'm gonna go with Venny Soroy. Ooh. Um, Old Gunner Solshire, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and Thierry Henry. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of personality and yeah. some pace on that squad. <laughs> yeah, Thierry. Thierry Henry is my all-time favorite player. So um, he would be my number one pick no matter what. The best dressed coach in MLS, man. His his, <laughs> his kicks he had for the Champions League match on the side, those Puma, those white Pumas that he had on, those were fire. Yeah. So oh, see, my goodness. See, it's crazy because I can't even like – of course, I remember him at Red Bulls and like in the MLS scene and stuff like that. But here on Rio, I only remember an Arsenal jersey passing the ball into the goal. That's that's the only memory that I have of Thierry Henry. <laughs> he was so he was so quick in his juggling technique while he's trying to dribble. Like just the showmanship yeah. and the and the gamesmanship on his end was 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 crazy. Yeah, he was the best. So you've had you've had a lot of journey um, within your time in the in the soccer world from Europe to America. Um, what is your favorite memory from your soccer journey? Well, I'll give you two. I'll give you one that's like my favorite all-time memory as a soccer player, and then I'll give you one like Sacramento memory. Fair. So, favorite memory as a player um, throughout this whole journey, I think growing up, like you, you want to be like the English Premier League and win a title and get promoted or relegated, all that sort of stuff. So, my biggest memory was when I was in Finland. I played for a team, my first team. We, we um, came in first place twice while I was there 
but we had to play a playoff in order to get promoted to the first division because there were so few teams. So in that playoff, we lost both times. Then I moved to Sweden, and when I came back, um, they had restructured how that that kind of went. And so we were in the second division, um, and they were getting ready to – they were in first place, you know, close to promotion. Um, their striker got hurt, and they wanted me to come in and help. So I came in, and for the last, I think, 10, 11 games of the season, we just had to maintain that first place. And so I think those couple months – were crazy and I can continually remember games and goals and stuff like that in my memory and then that final game we all we had to do was win um regardless of what everybody else did we just had to win and we would get promoted to the top league which was something that was never done for this club and the city and all that stuff so um we had a small stadium it was 2,500 people um and it was you know overflowing with people that were just all around the field um and we ended up winning that game we got promoted and I remember everything from the warm-up all the way until, like, maybe three days later when we were done, like, celebrating with the whole city. Um, so that was, that, was my, that was my favorite memory um, from my whole journey. I think, I think with Sacramento, it was a whole different type of memories. Um, I had memories with fans and goals that I scored and teammates and stuff like that. But I think the biggest one – for me in Sacramento was, was when I had um, visited the children's hospital a couple of times, like a lot of players have done and still do to this day. Um, and me and Justin Schmidt would continually, you know, twice, twice a month or something, go to the children's hospital. And it was an interesting time in my life because there were some, some things with my family and with children and stuff like that. And, um, I spent so many, so many weeks with these, these kids and, um, to see the joy they had when I, when me and Justin came in and would just color with them or like, um, you know, sign their autographs and stuff like that. Um, that was something that I literally will never met, never forget. Sorry. <laughs> literally never forget that. And, um, the people that we would see one day and then, you know, two weeks later see them again and then you know in four months they're out of the hospital and they're living normal lives like uh, you think as a soccer player you want to change lives by scoring goals and winning games and then you realize you can you can change lives in so many other ways and um, that was kind of my first step towards realizing coming to fruition of what why I was doing what I was doing in, in soccer and um, that's something that I'll I'll never forget. We mention it a lot here on the podcast, but, you know, Sacramento Republic really, really is always involved in the community. And, you know, every time, you know, we hear stories like, you know, the one you just told us and, you know, other stories that the team shares, you know, it's, it just, you know, makes us feel more happy to be able to support a team that does so much for the community and, you know, it's just always doing these nice things. So, yeah, it's, it's really great. So, um, Christian, we, uh, as you know, John mentioned earlier, we actually got a question on Facebook from Sharon, who we also call her podcast mom here on the podcast. And <laughs> That's awesome. she actually had, uh, she has two questions and I'll start here for the first one. She wanted to know, do you still keep up with, uh, Josh still? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I was, uh, roommates with Josh Cohen and Mitch Tainter and, yeah, we're, we still keep up to this day and um, talk on, on a pretty normal basis or semi-normal. And 
yeah, so we keep up. It's, it's great to have those relationships with teammates. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's doing big things up in Israel too. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow him on social media too. And it seems that everything's going well, which is just great, you know? I mean, he's, he's like one of my favorite um, Sac Republic goalkeepers too. So yeah, yeah he comes awesome. back. Um, no, other part of the question, she wanted to know, um, what do you miss about Sacramento? I think I just miss the people. Um, I love I love the city. I mean, it, it's a great city and there's a lot of great things, but I definitely miss the people. I miss the people that I would come in contact. I mean, the, everybody says there's, there's really no fan base like it, and, but there's, like, there's really not, you know? Like, you have people that will will – constantly after games like say hi and say great job or tough loss keep it up and a lot of times with teams you see those people and you're like okay thanks and then you don't really see them again but um, a lot of these people in Sacramento these these fans this community you, you see them over and over again I think that's what makes it different that's great yeah I mean me and John are probably one of those uh, that you've probably seen at the stadium before actually probably me because John wasn't there last season, right, John? <laughs> I, I just got back from the Bay, man. I've been down there for too long. <laughs> so, Christian, um, do you have any advice for guys making the transition away from soccer? Yeah, I mean, do what you love. Like, find find something you love to do. For for different people, that's different. Like, not everybody's going to be a coach after they play soccer. Not everybody's going to want to be a businessman after they play soccer like find something you love to do and, and whatever that is like just pursue it and, and do it I think that's the biggest thing I mean a lot of people when you're playing soccer for if when you turn a career out of something that you've done as a hobby when you're a kid like you become just enthralled with that and then you find yourself 27 years 30 years whatever it is later um, and you get out of soccer and you don't really know what's next and that's okay. Like it, it's confusing. I think for for most people, just thinking about it. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just find something you love to do. I mean, everybody's got more than one passion. So if if that ends up being something within soccer, that's great. I mean, it was something that you've dedicated so much time to. But if it's not, find something else you love to do and really pursue that to the fullest. I think that's that's the thing I was trying to do and um we'll continue to try to do nice so uh christian how can uh how can people find you on uh, social yeah. media or anything else in order to uh support you going forward and and get you uh get you going a little bit more for sure my uh training company is is called f3 soccer um you can find me on instagram uh, at f3 soccer training my website's f3 soccer.com um, and if you want to just follow me and uh, see my life in Florida, uh, my Instagram soccer Isley. We'll make sure we get those uh, all that out to you guys on the show notes as well. But uh, Christian, we want to say thank you for taking the time to join us uh, today. We wish you and F3 the best of luck going forward, and as well, look forward to the content you're putting out for uh, for people, and and hope to have you on again soon, man. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Thanks for the love. Thanks for the support. Um, and for sure, thanks for, thanks for having me on this podcast. Yeah, yeah thank you, Christian. So we'll be back after a brief message. You guys looking for a beer that can be delivered to you? Then check out the official, unofficial sponsor of the podcast, New Glory Beers. 
Now they're delivering to your door and to all California residents. Also, check out their new release, the Pink Boots collab of a double IPA called Run the World, available now. Check them out at newglorybeer.com. All right, and uh, we're back, guys. Um, we want to say thank you again uh, to Christian Isley for taking the time to, to, to come on with us and, and speak with us tonight. It was a great conversation, and we, you know, we hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as we did. Yeah, it was a great uh opportunity to have a conversation and, and develop a relationship as it related to his F3 content. And I wish him the best of luck with that. As, as I'd said, my, my son likes what he's putting out and I hope you do too. So check him out at F3 soccer training on Instagram. It's uh, it's some good quality uh, information, uh, specific, simple drills for, for the youth and even uh, give some more clarity into more advanced drills with what he shows uh, in that, in those videos. So thank you, Christian, for doing that. And we look forward again to having more conversations uh, with you as we, as we grow within the podcast. Yeah, definitely. I followed his page right after he said it and he has some good stuff on there. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah. My son's already ready to, uh, to do it tomorrow morning. So hopefully, uh, the weather stays nice and we can make it happen. So tonight we want to start a new segment called News in the Community. Uh, not just Republic related, but in this instance it is. So we want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Republic. Uh, over the last few days, we've gotten news of a club member uh, being stricken with COVID-19, and we wish them the best of luck and a speedy recovery. Uh, our prayers are with that person. But also we have to remember there's others within our community who have been who have been diagnosed and are fighting this battle too as well. And so we want to make sure that we re- we acknowledge that and we are taking care of each other. So please make sure you are staying safe. You are uh, staying safe, not just for yourself, but for others as well. But the Republic is doing something really awesome. And I don't know if you guys have seen it on Instagram or Twitter, but they're putting out content on, on, on the regular right now, daily drills um, that can be done at home for, uh, kids or even uh, high school, middle school players, which I find really, really good within the community. And also they're doing reading with the Republic. Last week we had Villian Vigitev doing some reading uh, of a book for the kids. And this week we have uh, Grinny doing the same thing. What do you guys think about uh, what they're putting out? Um, I think it's so awesome what they do. Um, I, I, I come across all of their posts um, every single day. They're trying to uh, keep us motivated, keep us happy, even though we can't see them play. Um, and I think it's so cool. And I just love the team for it. I, my favorite so far has been the, uh, the coloring, the coloring things that they put up. Uh, there are different um, logos and things like that that you could color. And I thought that was great. You know, I'm not going to lie. People. I've actually been doing that. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And uh, it's one of my favorite things to do just to keep busy. Um, so I printed them all out and I've been coloring them. So Thank you, uh, Republic, for everything that you're doing in this time. And uh, we wish we wish you and the player that's reco- uh, recovering uh, the best of luck. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, like I said earlier when we were interviewing uh, Christian, like it's, it's just so amazing how much, you know, Sacramento Republic does for the community. And, you know, in these, you know, tough times that we're in, it's, it's so amazing to see, you know, that they're still doing things for the community, even though, even if it's, you know, on a virtual basis, but 
it's it's just really great that you know they no matter what happens in the world they're always still wanting to make sure that they give back to the community and you know that's it's just amazing it just keeps you know it just keeps you know like impressing me i think each day as as they keep doing these things and you know still keeping in touch with the fans which you know is is of course the most important thing for for the team yeah definitely um i think it's good keep it up boys it's uh it's valuable uh it's worthwhile and and it's engaging too so during this time when people need a little pick me up it's always good to see familiar faces and faces that kids look up to so if you're listening please keep it up kevin burdick you guys are doing a great job um so please, please keep going. So we want to talk about news around the soccer community as well. And so tonight we have a couple of, of things that we want to bring up. And the first is, I don't know if you guys had the opportunity to see it, but I did. Um, as we know, English football has been suspended until April 30th at the earliest. And so Jorgen Klopp was in an interview with the club website and he was speaking of how he was moved by the reaction of society with the NHS being placed under increasing strain by the spread of COVID-19. And it was awesome because what had happened was, is that there was actually people singing, you'll never walk alone for the nurses as they were working or leaving um, the hospital. And Klopp went on to say, my English is not good enough to say it's extraordinary. It's great. I think yesterday I was sent a video of people in the hospital just outside the intensive care area and when they started singing, you'll never walk alone, I started, I started crying immediately. He said, it's unbelievable, but it shows everything. These people not only work, but they have such a good spirit. I thought that in and of itself with the video, if you have a chance to look it up, you can type in, uh, you'll never walk alone or YNWA to nurses. The uh, video pops up and it actually had me a little choked up because it's even as a Manchester United fan, it's, it's so great to see the human spirit doing such great things for people. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, you know, and it's, it's really great, you know, to see something like, you know, you'll never walk alone, which is, you know, big in Liverpool, you know, and, you know, being in this situation too, and, you know, being able to, you know, show that support to them because, you know, everyone working in the medical field right now is, is the true hero right now because they're risking their lives every single second that they walk into that, you know, hospital or, you know, any other medical center. And so, yeah, I mean, big shout out to everyone, everyone who's listening to us who, you know, works in the medical field because it takes a lot, it takes a lot, I'm sure, you know, to, to go out there and to, you know, be exposed to, you know, this coronavirus every single day. Like, I mean, I know that there's, there's people that, you know, go out to work and it's, it, they're all being exposed, but really anyone who's working in the medical field is in direct contact with that. So yeah, really, we appreciate you, you doing that. Yeah. I, I want to talk about a, a video that I, that I saw, I saw today too. Um, and it was in Italy and there was a, a, apparently there was over 900 patients that actually um, were cleared from the COVID-19 in Italy in the last 24 hours. So it was just a, a, a lady that had just recovered and she was being released from the hospital. And as she was being rolled out by one of the uh, doctors or one of the nurses, pretty much the entire hospital staff was clapping as she was being rolled out of the hospital. And I thought that was so cool to see. And, 
you know, obviously they all had their masks and they're all, you know, covered up, but they were all clapping because, you know, the lady had been cleared to leave the hospital and she was, she was healthy and, you know, it made me feel good. It was, there was some hope there, you know, and that, that many cases being cleared, like, you know, we're making, uh, we're making some good progress. So that, that gave me a lot of hope too, to see. Yeah. You know, and, and when you have those, those moments, right, it really brings light to our communities working together and kind of people starting to understand the, the urgency behind the idea of staying home and, and protecting not just yourself, but others as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see. One of the other things that I'm curious to know with you guys, at least is teams are starting to cut salaries. And uh, there was actually a Swiss club that sacked players because they refused to take a pay cut. What are your guys thoughts on players right now? Should they be taking a pay cut or should teams uh, be finding ways to uh, make sure the players get paid while this is going on? I mean, it's, it's a tough situation. I mean, uh, what I would say is I would say that it's, it's, it's good for them to take a pay cut because, you know, in these times when like you're, you're hearing of a lot of, you know, not now I'm, you know, going outside the soccer world, but, you know, hearing of a lot of like people losing their jobs or, you know, getting laid off. And, you know, if you're still able to still be employed and just, you know, maybe have a slightly reduced salary, then, I mean, it could be worse. So I think that, I mean, it's, it's normal. And, you know, sadly, a lot of teams, you know, like they, they can't afford to pay their players their high wages. And, you know, it's either the team folds or the player gets the pay cut. And, you know, when it comes down to it, the player is the one who's going to get the cut. So the team doesn't fold. So, I mean, it, it sucks that they have to do that, but I'd rather see a team, you know, just reduce salaries rather than, you know, get fold and then just disappear because of the situation. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely very tough to see that happening. Um, I feel like they, they, they should definitely, you know, accept the pay cut. I know it's, I know it sucks, but uh, times are really tough right now for teams uh, not being able to play games, not having that income from, from all the, all the fans and, and everything like that, that pretty much where the, their money comes from. Um, the only thing that kind of worries me is, you know, players that play in a, the smaller leagues, for example, the USL that don't get paid as much as the, you know, players that are playing out in Europe, even player, some players that are in the MLS uh, a lot of those players are getting paid, you know, normal uh, salaries that they, that they, that they need to live on. So um, I think for, for those smaller leagues, they should, the team should definitely try uh, to help out the players as much as they can, but um, they're in a tough situation because the teams aren't making any money and, and who knows, who knows. And I hope, I hope it gets better. And I hope, you know, I, I hope they don't, they don't have to cut that much. So. I guess I mean, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I think with like smaller leagues, you know, maybe maybe even the leagues themselves can help support the teams too. Um, I mean, you, we know leagues have sponsorships. I mean, if it was like the USL, that they, they get sponsorships, you know, from the soccer ball that's used to like, you know, sponsorships around stadiums to the broadcast sponsorships and all that. That you know, maybe maybe there's a way that the league can probably support any team during this time, you know, to be able to, to, um, 
support you know those pay cuts too and to be able to make sure that the players get their full payment too so maybe there's something they could do there let's talk about that so when you are talking about leagues helping pay you come up to leagues like the npsl right and they just canceled their season 94 teams across 14 conferences and they decided um to cancel their season so is that fair I don't think it's it's fair to do that, especially with uh, kind of things up up in the air. Like they don't know they don't know how long it's going to last. Nobody really knows, and for them to start canceling full seasons like that and make that much of an impact with that that many teams, it's it's tough to see. It's 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 a really it's it's kind of heartbreaking, you know. That I don't I just don't want people to kind of follow in that with that example and start canceling seasons left and right. Um, I, I just think that the fans deserve, deserve more than that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's unacceptable. When I heard it too, I was like, you just, you can't do that. I mean, there's players that, you know, that they look forward to playing for their um, team and the MPSL and now you do this and now, you know, they're, they're missing out on a whole year. And so you're kind of putting them out of game for a year. Now they have to, you know, find, another team because you know they, they're not going to go a year without playing so it could potentially mean that a player who could have had a longer career might just you know end up ending their career there like like nearby here we have a team called uh, Academica Soccer Club they play out of Sherlock and it's it's just a shame because that team um, in the past like two years like they've they've been more involved in the Sherlock community and, you know, more and more people start like in the community are um, starting to know who they are. And they've been putting a little more money towards their marketing, too. So where you go to downtown and they have like their um, name all around downtown. And they came out with these really cool looking jerseys, too, really reflecting the community in the jerseys. Like they have the, the names of the cities in our uh, county, too. So that that was really cool to see. And now, you know, seeing them do this is like, well, that kind of sucks because you know, they were bringing in more people to their games and they even had actually just recently started a supporters group too. So, you know, not only are you uh, ruining the players' careers, you know, for a year, but, you know, you're also kind of slowing down the development of the sport in communities where, you know... And the, the players. Can grow. Yeah, and the players too. So, I mean, you're, you're really... I think they don't know how much damage they're doing because you know, the MPSL is, is pretty huge, as you were saying, you know, like 94 teams, that's, that's a lot. And well, so, I mean, yeah. they rely mostly on college players. They have a short season anyway. But, again, we were talking a couple of episodes ago about, about the development and the lower leagues, once they start to, to go down, what happens to the quality of the players that could potentially be MLS material, could be European material, because you have to start somewhere and – those that NPSL is a starting block. So now what happens to the um, breeding ground, you could say of the USL. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why, why they would do that. I mean, it's, they, they really, I think they made a decision way too quick and they should have still waited it out and still, you know, when things get back to normal, like just start it back up. Like, I don't, I'm with Danny. I, mean, I really don't understand. If they would have just waited out, they'd be in the same they'd be in the same boat that they are right now. So I don't understand why they can't just wait it out instead of canceling the season. Yeah. 
Well, apparently they're allowing their teams to look at other competitions and upper other cups. So they're saying that their league might be canceled, but the teams aren't canceled. So that's the league might be canceled, but the teams have an opportunity to go out and express themselves um, the way they want. So that could be interesting as well. Do they join an independent league? Do some of the teams merge in order to create or generate revenue? I mean, you're not going to pay, you're not paying these, these, these guys, you know, a lot of money, but you could get some, you could, you could get something together if you created your own little league um, around an area, a state, um, you know, a region of sorts. So who knows? We'll see. You know, with that announcement, does that mean that they're not competing in Open Cup too? Or? It's a good question. Sorry. In the article, it didn't give any insight into that if they were going to be allowed to, but I'm assuming they will based on the idea that clubs, the, the quote that I took away from it was that the uh, clubs are free to pursue other competition and cups this summer if group activities resume. So that was the quote that I took away from it, meaning, yeah, go ahead and play Open Cup if open cup is uh isn't an option for you hopefully it is an option but at the same time you know it is kind of a shame because you know it's already tough enough for them you know competing in open cup and not being you know game fit as you you know you've mentioned countless times in like other pods like it's gonna hurt them and if they do compete in open cup it's not gonna be as great sadly well until next time we'll figure it out so that wraps up our our news for the community if you have a, a player, a coach, a member of our community who needs to be shouted out or recognized for what they've done or contributed, please make sure you take the time to send us an email at sacktownfc.podcast at gmail.com so that we can make sure we recognize that individual on an upcoming podcast for what they've done for our communities. Again, send us an email at sacktownfc.podcast at gmail.com for those who need to be recognized. So, guys, if you guys are uh, looking to get some food this weekend, I recommend you guys check out Mikuni. Mikuni is actually offering 15% off your order and has now made it easy to order with the Mikuni app. Please make sure to pre-order, stay in your car when you arrive, and they will deliver your meal to you in your car. Visit them today at mikunisushi.com or download their app available in the App Store or Google Play. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adults, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. So we're actually on Twitter at FC. Twitter again, good spot to send us a message. Uh, We're pretty responsive on that platform. Uh, Most likely, again, it's John responding to you. Uh, and then we're also on Instagram at Sacktown FC. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page called Sacktown FC Podcast. And we also have a Facebook group called Sac Republic Fans. Again, as we always invite you guys to check out our group, join our group, and then, you know, just, you know, have fun. Really share, share anything you'd like with uh, your fellow Sacramento Republic fans. And also we're on YouTube on Sacktown FC. And we've said in previous podcasts you know we're trying to get to 100 subscribers is our goal and you know please help us reach that goal and help us you know be able to um, do youtube lives as they do have the requirement of 100 subscribers for us to be able to do those Um, we are also going to be posting pretty funny content Um, we have some things in the works for youtube 
So not just on the live side, you'll also be able to see, you know, some videos just uh, posted every now and then as well. Um, and guys, we actually have a big announcement. Um, by the time this podcast goes through, the, this will actually be up already a couple of weeks. But we actually now have a website, and it's actually at um, www.sacktownfc.com. Um, we're pretty excited to, you know, finally have our website up and, you know, to be able to post, you know, every episode that we do on there. Um, we have just, we have some exciting things planned to put on that website too. So, you know, please keep checking our website because yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool. And you also get to know a little bit more about ourselves too. We do have a bio page where we talk a little bit more so you can get to know more about me and John and Danny even though you guys probably already know a lot about us, but you'll get to learn a little more about who we are and also on the history of how, you know, this podcast came together. So yeah, check that out. Again, it's at www.sacktownfc.com. Thank you guys for listening to us on all major podcast platforms and taking the time to engage with us on social media during this time. Please remember to stay safe during all of this, not just for your safety, but for the safety of others as well. We hope you enjoy the podcast and enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day. Bye, guys.